Welcome to the Mobile App Makers Podcast, the podcast where I interview mobile app creation experts from all disciplines so we can learn from them. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have the pleasure to welcome Michael Blood from Matrix, who's based out of Boise in Idaho. He had several business on and off in the past, and he's currently in his longest running business, which is Matrix. And he's working with a lot of people to build mobile apps with them. So that's why I wanted to chat with him today, and we'll specifically talk a bit more about monetization. But before we get to that, Michael, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yes. Um... You uh, described a little bit already, but my name is Michael Blood. I've been a web and mobile app developer for 20 years, and I run a team of currently 12, but somewhere between 8 and 20 over that time. And we do build lots of different types of apps, but uh, primarily like talking about mobile apps since that's where the world's going today. So I'm passionate about creating uh, awesome businesses and I particularly love talking about monetization and different ways we can monetize apps. So excited to excited to talk about it with you. So if you get involved in a monetization conversation, I guess, with the, the people that come to see you, founders and CEOs, I'm assuming you get involved pretty early in the process of creating the app. Sometimes I, I try not to make that the primary focus early on, just because I want to find out what is the founder's primary focus before I, you know, turn it to monetization, but it typically naturally goes there. And then as soon as it gets to the monetization topic, we can delve in and go a lot of different directions with it. But I guess it depends on what you mean by early, because we almost always talk about their goals with monetization before we start working on it. But early in that conversation, not always. And so with those clients who you work with on the monetization aspect, what's a good way to figure out the best way to monetize an application? Well, a lot of times founders have their own ideas and aren't necessarily struggling to figure out what the idea is. So if they came to us with the idea and said, we want you to build it, they typically already have a couple of ideas. And then we'll be able to talk about more of them as we get deeper into it. But sometimes we start talking with someone that that's their only question is, hey, I've got this app, it's already built, I'm done, but how can I monetize it? You know, I'm, I'm barely making any money with these ads or something like that. So I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of does to it does tell me when you you get involved, and so I'm I'm curious for those conversations where uh, people come to you and don't necessarily like want to monetize their app. Like, what conversation do you have with them to help them figure out the best strategy to monetize the app? A couple of things. Uh, one is is it already a paid app? And if it's already a paid app, where they you know put it on the store for ten dollars or one dollar or something like that then we might talk about whether we should change the strategy and make it a free app and then do in-app purchases. And that's almost always the, the conversation if it's already a paid app. But we may also talk about whether they should, and, and I'm not a, a marketing person. And so if they wanted to just go out and market their app in order to drive more people to it, we might refer them to someone else for that part of it. 
But if it's already a paid app, that's kind of those are the two options: create a free app and do the in-app purchases or some other type of freemium monetization, or uh, start marketing it so that you can get better traction to get people to the app to pay for it in the store. And then the other type of app is a oh. And what benefit do you see in the... I, I was just going to describe that there's a, the, the other type of app, which is if it's free already, then there's lots more options about how, uh, how you can maybe monetize it. And to the strategy we typically go through is we find out how people are using it already and look for where people find value. And so if people are using different features or using some features more than the other, then we, we typically focus on those features and determine whether or not people might be willing to pay for them or they might be willing to you know, be annoyed by a nag ad or they might be willing to pay for a pay some sort of a subscription or upgrade fee in order to access those features. We'll typically focus on where the user where the most use is in the app to decide whether there's a way we can monetize that. And that that's the first step and that's the the primary step. So one other thing you mentioned earlier is the transition from paid app to in-app purchase. Is there a reason that this is kind of a pretty frequent transition for people to make? Well, it's it's actually not an easy transition. It can be rather difficult because once you are a paid app in the app store, you have to create a new, in both Apple and Google, you have to create a new app that is uh, free. It is rather difficult to move from free to paid or from paid to free because basically it's a brand new app which requires a new what's called bundle and a new listing in the app store but it might be worth it so that's why it's part of the conversation but one of the reasons it's part of the conversation is because those paid apps create a barrier to purchase so if in your app store listing you have a whole bunch of people looking at your app store listing, but not purchasing, that basically your cre- the price is creating a barrier so people aren't able to see what you offer. And so by switching from the paid app, where people have to trust it's worth it, to a free app, you can show them a lot more before they've paid. And then once they trust you or un- believe that you have value, then collecting a payment Depending on your app, it can be just a good model to help introduce people before they get to know you. Have you seen good return on investment? So you say it's not the transition is not necessarily easy from a technical perspective, but from a return on investment, has it worked for the clients that you've worked with so far? You know, I've never measured that uh, specifically, but anecdotally, yes, people have been happy with that and have been willing to invest more in their products after we make that change. It actually, it's not very time consuming to do it. So from a technical perspective, it can be fairly inexpensive, but the reason it is the difficulty behind it, I didn't explain that. The difficulty behind it is creating a new app store listing and then getting that new app store listing re-ranked. So if your app, your previous app store listing was getting a lot of hits, that doesn't necessarily mean your new app store listing 
has a lot of people visiting that app. Yeah, you lose the history essentially that was behind your app at that point and you're starting fresh. Yeah, that can be tricky if you have a good ranking. What are the, the latest change that you've seen in monetization these day around mobile apps? Well, the biggest change that I've seen is the recent hubbub about the 30% rate that Google and Apple take from purchases. So I don't want to bring the entire news story back up, but uh, last year, Epic Games basically uh, sued uh, over some monopoly, sued uh, Apple over some, you know, having monopoly power and they, they pulled their app off the store and said, oh, 30% is too much. You have to be more fair. And that was a big ripple in the app developer market. And people are a lot more upset with that rate than they used to be. I'm not upset with that rate, but that basically enabled a lot of people to say, you know what, that is a little bit too much. And so that drove a change that is the biggest thing that I've seen affect the people I work with. And Google hasn't done this yet, but Apple introduced a new program called the Small Business Program, where if you make less than $1 million through the App Store, you can become part of this program and only pay 15% of your purchases to Apple. That's pretty good. Instead of 30%. So that's that's probably the biggest change that I've noticed. And do you know what the requirements are to get into those programs? Uh, yes, you have to make less than a million dollars per year in the App Store. And actually, there are a couple other requirements. I don't know exactly what they are, but I think there's size of company requirements as well. But but none of, none of my clients have had a problem with that. So I, I don't know off the top of my head what that is. A lot of talk around monetization is around advertisement and around tracking users. Do you have a perspective on how the privacy changes that Apple has pushed over the last few, yeah, maybe last year, the last few months are affecting the various monetization strategies? Well, sure. I, I don't think that they are changing them. I think a lot of people are worried that they're going to make less money. However, I haven't seen that yet, and I don't have a big data enough view to be able to recognize it. I have not seen a dip in the CPM or the you know cost per click base or cost per view, basically. I haven't seen a dip in that. I mean, it's always going up and down, but I haven't seen that dip. And I think that the big concern over it was really created by, by some of the big players, uh, Facebook, basically Facebook saying, oh my gosh, you're going you're gonna to kill our business. And, and Apple said, we're going you know, to block it anyway, or we're going to allow people to block it if they want anyway. And, and so I think that the problem that people are seeing is that a couple of big tech companies are fighting over it. And really all it's going to do, in, in my opinion, is that it's going to make it harder for people to run remarketing campaigns. And so if someone go, comes to your views your ad or interacts with your ad or comes to your website, it used to be very easy to then follow them around through different products and show them your ad again because you know who they are. That's not going to be as easy. But even though it's not going to be as easy, I think people are probably just going to have other campaigns instead and they're not going to be happy about it. But that's from the publisher side rather than from the the app developer side. The app developer is still going to create a, a place that the ads could be shown 
and someone's still going to pay them to show those ads, whether they're remarketing ads or not. So anyway, I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm watching, I'm watching for it to see to see how it shakes out yeah i mean it's interesting it's true that from the developer perspective the eyeballs are still there on the phones it might be that the attribution and all that don't work as well as they used to but the money and the eyeballs are still there so there's probably still a good revenue stream there for developers it's interesting because i would imagine that the and it's anecdotal we've We've, no one's ever been able to prove that it happens, but everyone says, oh, I was just talking about carpet. And the next thing you know, there's an ad on my phone for carpet. And I wonder, you know, a lot of that could be based on retargeting or remarketing. And if it is tied to something that they've done on their computer or something like that over time, I wonder if that the number of times that happens will go down. But no one's ever been able to prove that that actually happened. And and I know that I don't, as a publisher of ads, I don't get to select the option to say, oh, please, please publish my ad to people that have talked about it. So I know that doesn't exist, but <laughs> I wonder if people will think that it happens less. <laughs> yes. Earlier, you had mentioned the in-app purchase and the upfront payment, the pay-for apps, essentially. In both of those categories, Apple takes a percentage. And you had said, if you qualify for a small business category, you can get it down to 15% instead of 30%. Can you clarify, though, especially for in-app purchase, kind of what are the the scenario where Apple will take a 30% cut and... The scenarios where Apple and Google, for that matter, don't take a 30% cut or 15 if you qualify. Do you mean for in-app purchases on the small business program or just any? Just in general. I think the rules are the same, right? In between. If it's a purchase that is made through the app store, then the percentage applies and they will take that percentage. If in some cases you want to sell something different, like for example, clothing goods or apparel that are not digital goods or digital contents, then you would not use the app store payment a method. You would use something like a something like Stripe account or some other sort of some other method of collecting funds. And then the percentage would not apply. So it's really it's really things that are about inside the app to be used inside the app essentially and services you use inside the app. Well yes it doesn't necessarily have to be used inside the app. For example, one of the apps that we produce allows you to purchase a PDF. So the PDF is basically a little mini course, talks about how to avoid getting hacked on your on some of your accounts and how to fix the problem if you do have it occur. And, you know, it's a five or six pages and costs $5 and you can buy it through the app, but then it downloads and is available for using at any time or, or viewing at any time. So it doesn't have to be used in the app, but it, the terms and conditions, they create a lot of clarity around this, right? You can read the specifics, but generally you would just say any digital goods that are purchased through the app store are subject to that percentage. Yeah. So really reading those guidelines will bring a lot of clarity around it if people have questions around whether they have to use the in-app purchase and the method of payment that Apple provides and pay the, pay the fee or if they can uh, use something else and not have to pay the fee. Sure, if you think that it doesn't apply, but 
it's a very cut and dried situation when you have a a service or a good that is not delivered digitally. For example, if you have a driver who is driving you somewhere and you're paying for that service, that's not a digital good. If you're buying clothing, that's not a digital good. However, if you're purchasing coins in a game or you're downloading a PDF or you're paying for a subscription to read news or you know access something digitally then it is so if it's digital it applies if it's outside service it doesn't if you have something in between that's when you probably ought to focus on the on you know the nuance of the terms and conditions if people want to learn more about app monetization are there any good resources that you've come across online or that are available that you could recommend? I don't have a specific recommendation. However, there are great articles on it on Medium, and I read them frequently. A couple times a month, I'll go out and just kind of search for, just Google for the recent articles on new ways to monetize apps or the latest trends in monetizing apps. And you always come across, you know, new articles that say seven great ways. Uh, but I, I read those. And, and if someone was mm-hmm. trying to get a good understanding of all of the different possibilities, I would, I would do a quick Google and read the top, you know, three or four articles. And if, it, if there's a long form article that's well rated on Medium, I would, I would definitely pay attention to that. I've noticed by following you on LinkedIn that you spend a lot of time on Clubhouse and you are hosting your own room over there. Do you want to tell us a bit more about it so that people can maybe join you a little later? Well, sure. I'd be happy to. Clubhouse room is, we call it the uh, app club, all about solving problems through apps. And the topics change quite a bit. Uh, Sometimes we'll have set topics and sometimes we'll just let uh, some app founders that find their way into the room ask questions about what they might like to talk about in their app journey. But it's, it's basically kind of a place where people can ask any kind of question. That's how it started with of people who, like myself, who really you know, know the industry. But where it has uh, started going is that a lot of people who have questions about apps or have built their own end up having discussions with each other about what they've learned and what they've done. And uh, they end up you know, creating connections well beyond just what uh, a couple of app developers like myself can add to that. So anyway, so yeah, we do that on Clubhouse a couple, three, four times a week, 4 p.m. Mountain. If anybody wants to join, love to chat with them. Anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn to ask some of the same questions. Like I said, I love talking about monetization, different techniques. I love finding ways that people find value in apps. So that's the, that's the main reason we created it on Clubhouse. Well, thank you very much, Michael. We're actually at time. Thank you again for joining me today in this interview. And I hope we'll chat again soon. It's been a pleasure. I hope the same. Thanks for listening to the Mobile App Makers podcast. I'm Olivier Destrebeck. You can find more info on building mobile apps at mobileappmakers.chat.